This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Yes, everybody is talking about the weather in Toronto. Mostly, I'm not hearing a lot of complaining. I'm hearing a lot of people saying it's so nice to have a real southern Ontario summer for a change. We'd like to hear what you're doing this summer, and we will be speaking with Canada's foremost expert on the weather. Dave Phillips of Environment Canada will join us at about the halfway mark here on Fight Back with Libby's Nine. I'm Jane Brown, your guest host for a couple more days. 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. So you've heard the big news today. Donald Trump is reiterating a threat to pull out of NAFTA should he become American president in November. He told a Detroit business audience yesterday a total renegotiation of the agreement is what he wants. And if he doesn't get a better deal then the U.S. will walk away from it. How would this affect Canada? Canada and the U.S. exchange more than $2.4 billion in goods and services each day. And Canada is the top export destination for 35 American states. Toronto Sun editor and political analyst Adrian Batra joins us on the line now. Adrian, we certainly know where Trump stands on NAFTA. Is this good news or bad news for Canada, do you think? Well, I think generally, Jane, it's it's not great news because we have had this long-standing tradition with our American friends that we have this open border and we have the free flowing of goods. Now, I think what I, I, I think it's worthwhile noting that in two thousand and eight, both Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama both said that they were gonna do the same thing. There's one specific article within the NAFTA agreement that would allow uh, the U.S. president to basically kill it. You have to give written notice and say we're going to we're going to um, withdraw from this, and then within six months they can they can unilaterally um, get out. Now that said, there is some there are some experts that say no, you need the act of Congress to mm-hmm. do it. It's, it's a bit murky, but I also think that this this rhetoric coming from Donald Trump. Is I truly believe it's less about Canada than it is more so about Mexico. Right. I, I think that I think that is part of this this discussion that hasn't really been touched on because when when they're running for office and when they're making these policy announcements and pronouncements, there's not a lot of detail. Like I've been you know looking through his speeches. I've I've heard them. I heard the economic speech yesterday. He doesn't say, you know, to heck with you, Canada, you know, this isn't good enough for the U.S. anymore. I feel that his, his issue, he takes umbrage more with the jobs going to Mexico than, than coming up north. And so regardless, though, it's not just NAFTA, Jane. It's, it's also the Trans-Pacific Partnership that former Prime Minister Stephen Harper signed with Barack Obama and a number of other um, uh, uh, Asian leaders. So... That, like, it, it seems to me that trade is being attacked on both sides of the aisle because Hillary Clinton wants to rip up Trans-Pacific. Right. Politics. She has and, expressed yeah. her dissatisfaction with that. Well, very much so. And part of what happened there 
look, Hillary Clinton, both Hillary and Bill Clinton, very pro-free trade. Uh, during the primary season, as you know, because you followed it, um, Bernie Sanders, very left-wing, he pulled Hillary to the left on this. So now this has become one of her sort of standard talking points, that she will rip up Trans-Pacific Partnership. So, yeah, the focus is, of course, on Donald Trump right now, because he's been arguably the most visceral and the most outspoken about NAFTA. I mean, one of the longest-standing free trade agreements, you know, between Canada and U.S. and Mexico. Uh, but it's uh, it's disconcerting that this sort of rhetoric is coming from both sides of the aisle. Now, might you want to return to the pre-NAFTA agreement held between Canada and the U.S. before Mexico got involved in 1993? Because we formed our partnership in 88, so there were five years there where it was just about Canada and the U.S. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that is one of the aspects that he he could negotiate. Uh, I just, it's it's hard to... It's hard to really fathom, though, that with so much free-flowing trade in, of, of goods, that someone would want to be this protectionist. I mean, he came out well, yesterday with, with a very strong line. He said, you know, America first, right? It's, it's the focus on America. And that plays to uh, millions of Americans who, who have felt that, yeah, free trade has not worked for us. Free trade has not been as 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 uh, valuable and beneficial you know on a state level or, or on on the on the national scene so i suppose there's there's definitely an argument to be made that well, let's go to the deal the negotiation that happened before mexico got involved but again it's still very murky i mean for the lack of a better term about whether or not he can as president could arbitrarily pull out or does he need congressional support. So it's it's still complicated, but I just don't feel that the the the, the conversation is is beneficial because we know as Canadians, we know how beneficial free trade has been. I, I think what would be very useful if someone, you know, some uh, some think tank out there did a comparison about what it would be post free trade or and pre Free trade. I think. I think for Canadians, it would really be a stark contrast right. to how different our lives are. That would be a good summer project for somebody in the newspaper business. It, I think. It sure would. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the phones here. Fight back, Jane for Libby on Zoomer Radio. Rich in Toronto. What would you like to add? Uh, well, I, I think this has been more about Mexico and always has been than Canada. Um, if you go down to we call it the Huron Line in Windsor and see the number of trucks coming and going. Uh, it's, it's a great indicator, and I think our biggest issue is uh, our exchange rate more so than anything else. The, the companies in the States like uh, Ford and GM and uh, uh, carrier air conditioning that Donald Trump has campaigned on that have moved to Mexico are the bigger issue for them, not something that they're outsourcing to Canada. I, I don't think I could name something that's been outsourced to Canada. Right, because our labor force is just as expensive, if not more so, than the Americans, wouldn't you say, Adrian? Well, absolutely. And and don't forget, Canada has also had our issues with d- directly with Mexico, specifically on our beef market. I mean, we had to go through a, a whole thing to, for them to reopen reopen that. But um, there's there's something interesting that I think is, is also worth pointing out. I mean, I think generally Canadians have have felt pretty okay about about NASA, for example, but there was actually an interesting poll that came out um, about two months ago, and it said only one in four Canadians support NAFTA and think that it was good for the country. And this is ahead, this is ahead of, um, you know, yet another 
Three Amigos Summit that was about to happen. And so I think some of the, I think some of that rhetoric has spilled northward too. That's been, so for many Canadians. Um, and the caller, of course, aptly mentions Windsor. I mean, we see it directly too. I just think overall free trade amongst every nation. I mean, we're doing it even amongst our own provinces, you know, between BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan too. They have their own little free trade agreements as well. It's right. been generally positive. But I, yeah, I, I mean, exchange rates, costs, those things will all go get driven up. It is interesting to read uh, this morning. I was doing some research and looking back at how NAFTA has affected Canada. And we, in fact, have seen strong gains in cross-border investment since 1993. And this is from the Council on Foreign Relations. U.S. and Mexican investments in Canada have tripled. U.S. investment, which accounts for more than half of Canada's FDI stock, grew from $70 billion in 1993 to over $368 billion in 2013. That has to be a good thing for us. Oh, I would think so. Absolutely. And also opening up um, beyond our own domestic market, because we know that um, our whatever goods and services are created here, we have to look at the global market. We have to be able to ship our goods a- around the world. And so this sort of brings me back to the Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, that was that was signed last year. Uh, I mean, this to me has has been um, you know the, one of the biggest trade deals that has been signed since NAFTA, and could only be good for Canada, but. You know, we need strong leadership in Ottawa to defend these things. And we need to be able to be assured that um, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is able to, going to be able to represent Canada's best interests in this sorts of thing. I mean, look, our U.S. friends wield a big stick, be it Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, either of them becoming president. This is going to be a significant issue between our countries. And I, I just I hope that um, that Ottawa holds its ground um, for what's in the best interest of Canadians. And you bring up a good point, and that's something we'd like you, the Zoomer listener, to comment on as well. 416-360-0740, 1-866-740-4740. Should Justin Trudeau, should our Prime Minister express his wishes for the outcome of the U.S. election? What do you think, Adrian? Well, I've never been a big fan of foreign leaders getting involved in other uh Elections, unless of course we're talking about uh, you know a despot from from some country that's you know across the pond. I mean that's that's a different thing. Ultimately, um, Prime Minister Trudeau is going to have to work with whomever is elected uh, uh, as president of the United States. It's often best to let the American people decide, let whatever country decide, and then you have to establish and grow your own relationship from there. I think that. I know that everybody sort of sits back and, you know, you hear rhetoric about Donald Trump. Oh, he scares me. He terrifies me. He's this. I don't think that he's going to be as scary or terrifying as everybody thinks he's going to be. Because as I've talked about on, on your radio, your show so often, it's always one thing to campaign on, on one extreme. And then when you govern, it's a very different, different situation. So I, I, my, my best advice to PM Trudeau would be, no, stay out of it. And that's where he has. Um, I mean, I don't think it's any secret that he would prefer Hillary Clinton to be president. Right, but what if he what if he weighed in? What if he weighed in on the issues, the American issues that affect Canada? So he's not he's not yeah. specifically coming out in favor of either of them, but he's talking about what would be best for us in terms of policy. I think that is I think that is very much within uh, the the leader of of Canada to say because 
if he were to speak in favor of NAFTA and the Trans-Pacific Partnership. That's a shot across both the Democrats and the Republicans' bow to say, look, Canada is willing to fight and stand our ground and make sure that these free trade, de- free trade deals remain in either intact or renegotiated where it's where it's beneficial to to Canada. That would be refreshing. You know, I was uh, in the Globe and Mail article today about Trump's stance on NAFTA. There's a quote from a global affairs spokesman, John Babcock, and he would not weigh in specifically on Trump. He just said Ottawa defends the North American trade deal. And -hmm. we look forward to a productive relationship with whomever the American people decide to elect in November. And I think what you're saying is we'd like to hear Prime Minister Trudeau say that as well. Well, I think it would be I think it would have an impact and I think it would matter. I think that there's It's one thing to come from, you know, a staffer and a spokesperson. But when the prime minister is asked directly, and he will be, there's no question, um, you know, you'd want a more sort of full-throated support of these free trade agreements that um, have benefited our country. Look, are they perfect? Absolutely not. Can they, should there be tweaks? Should there be adjustments? There's constant, they are constantly looking at these sorts of things. But ripping them up, Completely putting a torch to it, you know, scorched earth mm-hmm. is not good for for our for, for Canada, and frankly, I don't think it's good for the United States either. Right? Just, there is a there is a visceral feeling um, that that this has been so detrimental to to America. You know, it's even with the outsourcing of jobs. You know, there's 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 so much frustration um, over what's happened in the last you know not just eight years, but even the last twelve years in the U.S. That, um, you know, the American people haven't, you know, their job numbers have gone down. Their unemployment rates have gone down. They have seen the jobs leaving their, their shores. So that's where this, this sort of protectionism comes from. And, again, I go back to 08 with, when Clinton and Obama were both saying, um, not, not as over the top as, as Trump, but the similar rhetoric about NAFTA. And, and getting out of it. I guess what's somewhat refreshing here was Trump saying Americanism, not globalism, will be our new slogan. But he also right. said isolation is not an option for the United States. So that's somewhat reassuring for us as Canadians to hear. That was a big takeaway for me, actually, in, in all of that. So, you know, talk about the Americanism, America first, make America great again. That's sort of a, uh, you know, red meat for your base. But then also signaling to global markets and to other world leaders that, no, we're not literally shutting our borders down, that we are, of course, prepared. But Donald Trump has, is, has, is the America candidate. He is all about ensuring what is good for the United States. And it, it speaks to the heart of what so many Americans have, have felt is, is what's that issue is that we've just shipped everything away. We've, we've given away the store, as it were. Trump has tapped into that. And I actually think philosophically he truly believes that. I don't think that this is just political rhetoric for him. I mean, this is a guy, you know, yeah, he's had his ups and downs, no question, within, within the, the real estate world and, and the business world. But there's no denying his success. So he, he's, he's done big-scale negotiations. He's done this sort of stuff. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we should dismiss what he says out of hand because we don't like what he's saying. I just think that there has to be a more thoughtful approach to, to much of this. And I think some of that, honestly, Jane, will come from, if he becomes president, it will come from the other Republican leadership in the House and the Senate that are, um, especially from border states and, and from other states where, you know, a lot of their goods and services are being exported outside of, uh, of the country. So you'll, you'll, you'll have those rigorous conversations. So I, I just, 
I just don't think that um, we need to be that alarmed yet. Okay. Glenn in Etobicoke, you're on Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Go ahead. Hello, Jane. Yes, uh, the lady was just talking about jobs going offshore, and the, uh, the Americans are concerned about that mm-hmm. with these deals. And uh, my question also is, uh, you mentioned earlier on that you are doing some uh, reading, and uh, the investments have gone up tremendously uh, from, uh, I don't know the exact figures, you mentioned some millions to uh, $300 billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, investments has uh, improved. But uh, as a result... Uh, the job situation has not re- uh, improved in comparison to the the investment improvement, and that the lady was just saying that uh, one of the concerns in the American politics right now is regarding uh, jobs going offshore, and the same same uh, as, as in Canada. Okay, good point, Glenn. Let's let Adrian Batra weigh in on that. Toronto Sun editor and political analyst. It's an excellent point because, again, I mean, I come back to this whole thing about. Uh, you know, many Canadians feeling this similar um, situation. The job creation has not has not borne the fruit. There's no question. Your caller is 100% right on that. Now, with that said, there's 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 more than just free trade that is that has been an issue for that. You know, we had our downturn in 2008. We've had other issues um, in the in in uh, across across our country with recessions and things like that. I'm not making excuses. I'm simply saying that. It hasn't just been as a result of, of trade agreements that haven't resulted in the, in the job creation. You know, bad policies made by, made by government hurt that. Um, you know, higher taxes put on businesses affect job creation because if you're going to find a lower cost environment to create your job, you're going to go. You're, you're going to leave. And that there's, there's, a, there's a whole large economic argument and discussion to be done. And I'm no econo- economist, but, you know, I... I, I Followed this enough to understand that it's not just one single issue that has not spurred on the um, the job creation in this country, in Canada or the U.S. For, for that matter. Great conversation. We have callers on the line, but we do have to take a quick break. We'll continue talking about whether Donald Trump's stance on NAFTA will be good for Canada or not. Your concerns. Your wishes for the upcoming U.S. election coming up. Our expert on the line, Toronto Sun editor and political analyst Adrian Batra. We're speaking about Donald Trump and his reiterated threat to pull out of NAFTA. Your reaction as well, 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. Elizabeth in Brantford, it's time for your say on Fight Back. Go ahead. Hi, I hope you're going to have someone on from the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives and or the Council of Canadians, because your guest is very one-sided. They have done studies on NAFTA, the kind of thing you said would be interesting to have they have done, and Definitely, we need another point of view here. There are serious issues with water, with corporations that have sued us, etc., etc., etc. Please get on a decent, objective point of view. Okay, well, I certainly don't mind you weighing in with your opinions and thoughts, but Adrian Batra is highly respected as a political analyst. Uh, what, do you, what do you say to someone who is, has a dissenting point of view? No, oh, look, I, I and thank you for your very kind words. I, I try to be as objective as I can when it comes to this sort of thing, but, 
yeah, I'm, look, I'm I'm very much pro free trade. I think that um, it's it's been good for us in, in general. And and as I said, I'll just simply reiterate what I said earlier. None of these things are perfect. None of these things can happen in isolation either. There has to be broad uh, support for these. You know, you always want to ensure that. I mean, even when Brian Mulroney was 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 negotiating this, there was so much consternation, so mm-hmm. much anger, so much frustration from from one side or the other. I mean, we, we could argue that one of our elections was fought on NAFTA. That's right. But, you know, it's 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 a fair point from your caller. I'm not going to dismiss her, her view out of hand because that's, you know, what um, that's what one political ideology always does. If you can't disagree, then, you know, what kind of democracy do we live in? I would only simply say the CCPA themselves comes at it from a very particularly isolationist perspective. And but the information's all out there. We can make up our, our own minds. We can make the decision ourselves. But we also have to remember that we're not just in can like it's not just our country. Like we live in a we do live in a global environment. We have to recognize that our beef exports, our wine, our dairy, our cheeses, like there are markets around the world that benefit us and, and do ultimately help with our local economy. And so I would only simply say that if we are, if we are really that determined to, to tear these things up or renegotiate them d- down to dust, I think we just do ourselves a disservice. Sonny in Richmond Hill, you're on Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. What would you like to say? How are you doing? I'm fine. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just want to, to ask Adrian a question. Mm-hmm. How can you say you can trust Donald Trump because he believes in his convictions? What, what a statement to make. Because if Donald Trump was such a believer of his convictions, he would have cancelled Trump ties, all the stuff that is manufactured overseas and brought it to America already. Okay. So, so that, I, I just can't fathom that such a statement can be made. And yet the very person that is involved in this making uh, these assertions that trade is not good and is going to make America great again, doesn't do it himself. So Sonny is basically saying, Adrian, he doesn't buy it, (laughs) that there is so much manufacturing of goods overseas (laughs) that... Politics is a little philosophically inconsistent. (laughs) There's a a big shock. No, I think uh, Sonny makes a fair point because it's a legitimate question to ask. I, I just think that we're talking about not necessarily two different things, but we're, 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 he has he has said unequivocally that he has taken advantage of these things and he's made lots of money off of mm-hmm. them. He's created jobs. He has been unabashed about that. But if you pivot to where he is now, he's running to be the president of the United States. He needs to talk to Americans directly. And and yeah, of course the, there's been that that. Big talking point. Hillary Clinton has done it. You know, she she says, you know, don't you talk about this until you start bringing jobs back to America yourself. That's a legitimate thing to say to him. But I, part of where this discourse has gone, part of where this this rhetoric has gone to, is that's not going to matter for for the millions of Americans that are going to vote for him because they believe that he is going to do well by them and. So when I when I simply say that he is he is someone that is is you know all about you know this America first, that's in the in the in the realm and the sphere of this current election. Yeah, again, 
he, of course, is philosophically inconsistent. So is Hillary Clinton. They all damn well are. Just it's this is Trump's problem, amongst a whole other thing, is that he has made this uh, such a central plank in his in his in his platform that he is is going to do this. So he has to expect that the sunnies of the world makes a fair point that you are you are manufacturing so many of your goods and services overseas when you you yourself are saying that these things need to change. It's, I'm, I'm not defending it. Um, I just simply say that in this sphere, he is he is tapping into that America. Uh, it, it's got to be all, all good for, for Americans. And it will work to a degree. And not certainly win, but it will work. Adrian, you and I and others in our business who are observers and we try to be objective observers. What we've seen in the last couple of weeks from Donald Trump is quite literally a string of falsehoods. Researchers and fact checkers are catching him all the way through his speeches with uh, inconsistencies and with basically with coming up with fiction all the way Mm -hmm. through what he's saying. What I found to be refreshing yesterday is that he was actually talking policy and he was talking about what he would like to implement as president. I think that's what people want to hear more of. Yeah. And I think that, um, well, yesterday in his economic speech, it was arguably the most substantive policies that he has come up with. Thus far, it's just been throwing whatever he can at the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think I think we always say that we want to hear about policies and how it's going to affect us. But one of the things that um, I, I observed on, on one of the American networks from a, from a completely um, non-Donald Trump supporter who happens to, to work for the former, uh, works for the governor of Ohio, Governor Kasich. So he's a Republican commentator, but he doesn't support Donald Trump. What he said was, uh, and I completely agree with it, it was a substantive policy argument that Donald Trump made because he's speaking to a number of those Americans that feel they've been left out of Barack Obama's America for the last eight years talking about low-income earners, talking about family leave, talking about deductions on, on daycare. Those are the things that speak to the heart and the minds of people who are struggling to make it every day. And so if Donald Trump continues to talk more like that and not react, you know, he was interrupted, I think it was 16 times yesterday by, by uh, protesters being uh, escorted out. He didn't react to one. He barely reacted, which is, you know, maybe his way of resetting his campaign. But If he sticks to the issues that matter to the American people the most, like the economy, like job creation, it's going to resonate. Um, So, yeah, it was quite refreshing to see um, a more substantive policy argument. I don't look I don't agree with all everything that he said, obviously, but talking about the tax rates, talking about simplifying things, that is that had some, you know, a little bit of meat on the bones, whereas, you know, Mrs. Clinton is is yet to make her big economic speech because she is she is sort of working all that out because she was pulled left, pulled left by Bernie. But I know that Hillary Clinton is pro free trade. I know that Hillary Clinton is, you know, a you know a fiscally minded uh, po- politician. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they how this contrasts. Well, we will be having a similar conversation, not necessarily you and I, but others will be talking about Clinton tomorrow because she speaks, she gives an economic speech to the same venue in Detroit where Trump was speaking yesterday. So we'll have all the sound bites of her tomorrow morning speaking about her economic policies.
looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to hearing what she has to say and, and finding that delicate balance too, because she needs those Bernie Sanders supporters on her side to help support her. And they, they are all about free everything. And so, you know, and speaking in, in a place like Detroit, you know, hardworking middle-class Americans, you know, who felt like that their, that their city has, uh, and their, their state has, has been, you know, in a lot of financial trouble Talking about giving away new entitlements may not work. So it's, it's going to be an, um, I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say. Giovanni in Brampton, what would you like to say about Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, the whole U.S. vote? Go. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Good afternoon. I think uh, that uh, we're missing the point here that Mr. Trump is trying to make it. The point is this with the new technology. We have, uh, like, uh, for example, Uber operating in North Continent of America and illegally, and nobody can do nothing about it. Can you please uh, uh, explain me that to your gentlewoman, please? Okay, Adrian, what would you say to that? I'm sorry, I don't think I quite understood the question. I think what basically, I mean, that's obviously a personal beef, and I'm sorry, I just let him go, um, that how can you have organizations like Uber, I think he's speaking specifically to the taxi Uber situation, uh, you know, how that pertains to Donald Trump. Uh, He certainly has not weighed in on that specific issue. But I guess keeping business as legal as possible is his concern. Mm -hmm. Well, I think maybe I can just try to acknowledge it more broadly, um, because no, it, it hasn't come up. But I think it's the issue of technology, right? It's the issue of the sort of so-called disruptors within our, our economy. You know, you have the Ubers and you have the Airbnbs and you have the lifts and you have all sorts of all sorts of things that have sort of thrown the traditional economy on its head. Um, that's taken a lot of people off guard. Perhaps what your caller is referring to more, as I said more broadly, is what technology is doing to replace the actual worker. Mm-hmm. Um, that I that that's a whole other you know, weeks worth of shows for you, Jane. We yeah, <laughs> yes. have time to acknowledge it, but I think it's it's Trump has been sort of a disruptor in the in the uh, American political scene, um, but he himself hasn't talked specifically about these these new technologies. I mean, I, technology is here to stay, and we have to adapt to it. And if we don't. It will, it will overrun us. Well, I, I'm sure that this is going to come up at the leaders' debates. Oh, this this sure. issue will come up. Yeah, no, I, I think ultimately it, it will. And frankly, it depends on what part of the country they're in, what kind of answers they give. <laughs> now, in terms of strategy, before we let you go, Adrian, and we do appreciate your time over the lunch hour today, it was um, we're right now looking at about a 10-point difference. Uh, CNN poll came out yesterday based on six other polls suggesting Trump is 10 points behind Clinton at the moment. In terms of strategy, what would be the best moves moving forward for both candidates? Well, I think certainly for, um, for Hillary Clinton, she needs to continue to do what she's doing, which is not much because she doesn't have to because her opponent is doing all the damage to himself for her. Now, with that said, regardless of the, the 10-point spread, and that does not surprise me at all because Donald Trump has had the, arguably the worst week and a half of the entire campaign, all self-inflicted wounds, I would say. Mm-hmm. But it's... Um, it's still a problem for Hillary Clinton on the trust factor. So 
yes, you know, if an election were, be to, were to be held today, who would you mark your ballot for? Hillary Clinton up by 10 points. That's important because if you look at where some of the swing states are swinging to, they're swinging to her. She has to still deal with the trust factor. Americans don't trust her. Americans just do not feel that she is trustworthy, and they feel, their words, not mine, that she lies all the time. And she's been, you know, the other day she said she short-circuited when it came to her emails. If there is more and more push on the trust factor from the Trump campaign, that 10-point spread, I think, Jane, will erode. It will get a little tighter. We're going into August. The biggest benefit for either of these campaigns right now for, 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 is that the American public is not disengaged, but they are going into holiday mode. Yeah. They're getting kids back to school. They're not quite as entrenched in it. We in the media are the ones I think more obsessed with it than, than anything. Well, these um, are the dog days of summer in the news business, right? And as far as Donald Trump goes, oh my gosh, just stop tweeting. <laughs> you know, if I was his political staffer, I'd be like, I'd take that darn phone away from him in a heartbeat. But it seems to have worked for him to a degree. But he needs, I don't really think he needs a reset in his campaign, but he needs to step back. And Part of what we saw yesterday, and I just mentioned it, that he didn't react so viscerally to the to the protesters as he normally would, was a step in that in that direction. He did have to come out and endorse John McCain. He did come out and endorse Paul Ryan last week, fighting the bullets. But day after day, it's a slow drip against Donald Trump. Republican after Republican is coming out and saying, we do not support you, We're supporting Hillary Clinton. That is going to be the death of a thousand cuts for, for, for Trump. Adrian, thanks so much for the conversation today. My pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.